Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to this special edition of The Right Stuff as we celebrate Lynn Donovan's 100th book celebration coming up next right here on The Right Stuff. And welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen, Parker J. Thanks for joining me. I got to tell you, dear listener, I am so excited because I get to celebrate with my author, bestie, and good friend, Lynn Donovan, as she releases her 100th book. There are so many of us who want to get to just the first book, and Lynn has hit a milestone. I got to tell you, I'm so excited to bring this lovely author back to you again. She is a returning guest co-host and contributor to Write Stuff. She's going to just give us insight into her writing process, what it's like to hit that milestone, and other things regarding the industry. We're just going to have a very candid conversation. Can't wait to get to it in just a few moments. As always, I want to thank you for your support. We've been showcasing Christian authors for 10 years. As God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. If you want to help out, go to patreon.com slash write stuff. To stay up to date with PJC Media, go to pjcmedia.net. Click the pink follow button. You'll never miss a show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at PJC Media for updates, uploads, and more. Go ahead, subscribe today. Without further ado, I'm going to bring Lynn on board. Lynn, congratulations. Thank you, Parker. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be here. I am the one who's honored because I remember when we first met a thousand years ago, had maybe five books for me, maybe 20 books for you at the time, and we considered ourselves accomplished, <laughs> right? And That's now true. it was so exciting. Now you're at 100 books, and now you're sitting here going, well, how did that happen? So if you look back over where you were to where you are, how did it all happen for you? You know, it's pretty amazing. It, it totally was a, a trip with God because when I very first started writing, let me preface that with 30 years ago, I had an idea for a book and I never got around to it because I had children, I had a divorce, I had a remarriage, I had life, I had college, just had all these things going on. And in 2010, my mother had dementia, and my I have a disabled sister who lives with hers, and had, someone has to be her guardian at all times. And with mother having dementia, we brought the two of them into our home. And so I quit work, and I stayed home to take care of them. But they weren't high maintenance at all, and so I kind of found myself with a platter of time on my hands. And it occurred to me one day, you know what, this is the perfect time to sit down and try to do this writing thing. And I didn't know what I was doing at all. Um, so I reached out to another author friend, and I love that, that this is how it started and this is where God left, led me. I reached out to an author friend that I knew from camping and asked her, you know, how do you get started? Here's the idea I have. And she said to me, it sounds like you're kind of writing under the realm of Christianity. So I suggest you contact ACFW, which is American Christian Fiction Writers. And I did, and that led me to a group, a chat group. We'll call it a chat group. They wasn't called that back then. 
in that chat group, another author suggested that I go to this critique group online that she was part of. Her name was Hesse Carroll. So I got into this critique group and they shaped me and molded me and taught me how to write. And in that critique group was a woman named Pauline Creedon. And you may or may not know her, but she's a real uh, quite widely published author and, and very, very good writer. Um, she had a heart for helping new authors get that first publication out. And so she reached out to me after I had worked with this critique group, and she knew I had a manuscript put together, which let me tell you that was phenomenal to actually have written a full book when I never knew if I could or could not do it. Anyway, Pauline said, do you have a manuscript you'd like to submit? And I told her yes. And so I submitted it to her, and she published it. And in January of 2011, I got to see my first book published with my name on it. I got to smell the ink. It was so amazing. Fast forward to 2023, and I was thinking to myself, you know, last year I had 80 books published. I know I've written about 20 books in this last year, so I ought to be getting fairly close, at least over 90 books. So I literally sat down and went through Amazon's library and counted my books up to the ones that I had uh, planned on writing. And I figured out that this particular book was the one that would be the 100th book. What is so phenomenal about that is that this book is in a multi-author series that Pauline Creedon is, has put together and is overseeing. And I was just amazed because I was like, look at you, God. You're just showing off how you brought this around to me full circle. I love that you mentioned the full circle aspect of your journey here. It started with people who were willing to pour themselves into you to take clay and mold it into what an author should do. And then over the years, you become your own author, develop your own style, your own thoughts about storytelling, your own ideas about fiction. Then you come full circle and the person who helped you at the beginning helps you again at this milestone. And I know Pauline Creed and Cassie Carroll. I love how the Lord does these things where he puts people deliberately in your path to help you along this journey. And then you and I met and connected. We just really had a flourishing friendship that has sustained us both in many different ways. And so that's why, dear listener, when I say she's my author bestie and my very good friend, I'm not just saying that because we write together. We write together. We pray together. We love, cry, and holler together. So it's really exciting to be a part of this and to showcase this book. And we'll talk about the book a little bit later. But I want to ask you some practical questions now, because some people are going to be like, well, how did you get to 100 books? I mean, what do your books consist of? So I want to talk about that, and I'm going to preface that with a question. Does it matter the length of the published work you're publishing to count as a book, quote-unquote? In the beginning, they called them uh, novels, and then they called them novellas. If they were under, what was it, Parker, under... If they were under uh, 20,000 words, it's a short 20, story. Yeah. From 25 and, to 
35 is novella. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, yeah, short stories were under 20. But what we discovered, I want to say six years ago, was that the readers in certain genres, let me say, the readers really wanted a book that they could read from beginning to end during their lunch hour. And voracious readers can just absorb a book. And so we wanted to give them what they wanted. And so we started writing less than 50,000. We found that sweet spot was between 25,000 to 35,000 words. And so we literally had to teach ourselves how to have an interesting story where people come together, they've got a problem that keeps them apart, and they have something that helps resolve that, and then they end up with a happy ever after in a shorter amount of time. And let me tell you, that took some self-discipline and learning. We all had to work together even and kind of help each other learn how to narrow the story down. And one of the best things that I participated in, I think you did this too, is we did what we called flash fiction. We wrote a story from beginning to end with problems and solving and happy ever after in like 500 words. And you talk about training yourself some discipline writing. That was phenomenal learning. And with shorter works, it's important to make sure that every word counts and brings about the message you wanted to bring. What can happen, though, is that sometimes you get used to the shorter works that when you're being pulled to write a longer narrative because the story calls for that, you're like, wait a minute, I I can do this at 35K. I don't have to do this at 90,000 words. We should also preface that with, too, Lynn, the industry you and I are in. We are in the romance industry in a subset called Sweet, Wholesome, Clean, um, Inspirational, Christian, Romance, Historical Romance. So we're in a certain subset of the industry. You should probably talk about how important it is to understand the industry and what your readers' expectations are as well. You know, we started out writing our our stories at about 80,000 and sales started dropping and we couldn't figure out why. And that's all part of being a writer is you have to constantly have a thumb on your readers and what they want. And so through a little bit of research and and other people looking into it for us and us all talking among each other, we discovered, like I said earlier, that the romance want a quick and dirty, not quick and dirty. Let's not call it that. Take that out. (laughs) They want a quick read. Like I said, that they can read in an hour or two hours. And they actually, in the industry, they call it a two-hour read. Um, but that's what the readers wanted. And so that's why we had to learn to do that. If you were to continue writing an 80,000 word book, then your sales were going to suffer. And so we had to adjust to it. When you are a writer and you're writing in a particular niche, like we are, you do want to meet those authors, I'm sorry, those readers expectations, like you mentioned, if they're used to a bigger narrative, like if I could go outside of our genre for a minute, a cozy mystery, for example, has certain parameters. And you do some cozy mysteries yourself. I have, uh, yeah. A cozy mystery has certain parameters that are expected within the in, within that industry. They want to have a protagonist that is not a professional, but is intuitive, has a quirky sense of humor. There are a cast of characters that add to the 
bedlam of that cozy mystery's protagonist's life. He, someone has got to die. There's got to be a crime, mostly a dead body. A dead body has to show up, but it doesn't have to be super graphic. It's more so you open the door to get the cupcakes out the oven. You see a dead body on the floor. <laughs> You're like, well, how did that yeah. get there? Yeah, cozy mystery, you actually don't want the graphics of the death. You just want them to come onto it. And so you keep on going from there. Yeah, because we don't really want to see all that, <laughs> right? Because the cozy oh. mystery, that's why they'll have like titles and cozy, cozy mysteries like finger licking murder. Uh, if you like the baked goods, cooked goods, cozy mysteries, or you'll have tripping over dead bodies, part three or something like that. Just something that's really funny. Um, yeah. So the cozy mysteries, for example, have those parameters that readers expect. So any genre you're in, you want to make sure you read those readers' expectations. And yes. Lynn, I would agree with you. You have to study this industry too. You got at 100 books and you've gotten there because you understand your market, what your readers are looking for, what they expect. Because this market, as I call it, Lynn, is a beast that breathes. It's an organism that yes. morphs and transforms at different times. For our sect, we know that one instance of a very successful trope in um, sweet and clean, wholesome romance is the mail order brides trope. And yeah. I would have thought you and I both would have thought mail order brides would have gone out like Y2K. They would have just gone out. And no, there's still a very popular trope. And that has a lot to do with readers wanting to get away from the modern world and romanticize about a trope that in actuality was quite horrible. <laughs> I know. It really, there was such danger in it. I actually had a reader walk up to me and was asking me what my books were about. And I started speaking to her and I said, well, it's a mail order bride. And she just held up her hand and stopped me. She said, you had me a mail order bride. I'll buy everything you have. And I'm like, okay. Well, if you put it that way, <laughs> you know, yeah, if you must. Let's talk about your process here because you can't get to a hundred books without a process. You know, I was a secretary for years and years and years. Well, I'm talking like 30 years. So, yes, I do have a very administrative approach. But on the other hand, I'm also a panster, which means I write by the seat of my pants. I'm not one of these people that says, okay, chapter one, they're going to do this. Chapter two, they're going to do that. Chapter three, they'll do that. I, I don't have any idea really where what's going to happen I have an umbrella idea and that's what I spend a lot of time thinking about I'll have like a snippet of an idea um like in this book I have this snippet of an idea that this woman has this amazing angelic voice and it just lures people to her not in a bad way in a good way and that's all I had and then I knew that the book had to be about a, a woman escaping a situation and going to a marshal for help, and he and they or he and her end up falling in love. That was the perimeters we were given for this, because this is a multi-author series. That was the perimeters we were given, and that's all I knew. So. As I'm writing, I'm thinking to myself, okay, what's going to be the real obstacle that's going to keep them apart? And so there's 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 something that happens in the book that literally separates them once they come together. Um, and then there's those resolutions. Because always in uh, romances, you always have to end with a happy ever after. 
Um, well, we should so, we should preference that with formulaic romance. True, true. Yeah, but not the not the traditional world. Yeah. If you don't, the readers are going to be very upset with you. <laughs> we were laughing because Lynn and I have a uh, mutual friend named Pastor George McVeigh, and you guys have had him on the show before. And in the past, he's been our prayer warrior for PJC Media. And one thing he <laughs> he mentioned, one of his characters, all his readers loved his character, and they did not want him to die. And George had to kill him because eventually he has to die. Eight people die. And so he did the People best. don't live forever. They just don't. Don't live forever. But he killed the character, and you and I were laughing because the readers were like, what did you do? And he, he killed the character in a good way because he's a marshal. He killed him in a good way. You know, he he killed him defending other people. Um, Hero. Yeah, he was in, I think, 1920s, which would have made him like a 1,000 years old anyway. <laughs> so he, he, killed the, he killed the character in a very heroic manner. But... His readers did not care. They wanted him to live forever. And we're not like the Marvel Universe, cinematic universe. People die in our books. They have to die because things change when you die. Let's talk a little bit more about, um, you know, this 100th book celebration. You taught your process. You taught what you do. You talk about the industry, what consists of a publication. So now where do you see your career moving from this 100th book? I know you want to get to the 200th book eventually. But where do you see yourself? What got me to 100 books is that I joined in with other authors and I wrote in a lot of um, multi-author series. And that sets you up with deadlines that are not movable. They're, They're carved in stone. You have to meet your deadline. And that got me to a point where I was writing three or four, maybe five books a year to writing 20 books a year. And that's a lot of work. That's doing, that's getting up every morning and doing it, no matter what what else is going on, and getting about 2,000 words a day. And if I didn't get 2,000 words a day, then the next day I had to get 3,000 words to make up for the 1,000 I didn't write the day before. So multi-author series is really what got me here in just 11 years that it, that I got here. So what I want to do now, I still want to publish. I still want to write every day. I mean, I just got so many stories in my head. I really enjoy being part of a multi-author series. Just there's camaraderie and story ideas that I don't necessarily come up with. But what I want to do is publish some of my own series where the six books that are in that series are all mine. Um, And I have one that I've been working on actually this year off and on, and I think it's going to publish next year. But that's kind of my goal is to not, like, mix it up, do some multi-author series, and then do some series that are just mine. I like the fact that you mentioned where you want to go, and I do think that's a good thing to do to have your own series because then the readers can know, well, what does Lynn write for herself? What, What is her series? The multiple author series have been phenomenal for me and Lynn to increase our um, backlist and our output as well. But we both are actually branching off from multiple author series into our own series because we do want to develop our own ideas. And then sometimes, let's admit it, working with authors can be like herding tie-dyed cats, okay? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, you got that creative energy going. You have people with different processes, um, especially when you're in the planning stage of something. Whereas, for example, I tend to write as they come along. So if I write my co- character into a corner, I have to go back and fix it. 
some other people are much more well organized than I am and they'll plan that all out. But then I don't like the plan. So it's like, I don't like your plans. Your plans are, interrupt my chaos and I want my chaos. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, having your own author series and your own group of books also let people know that you take, that you're not just doing it just to be with other authors. You're doing your own thing too. And your own voice, yeah. your own ideas, stuff like that. But the other thing I want to talk about too, as we celebrate your 100th book, or we're going to get to the 100th book in a few moments. As an author, has your idea of what being an author is changed? And what I mean by that is, do you still see yourself as a hobbyist or do you see yourself as someone that this is a career? And why, if that's the case, why is that significant to others who are considering becoming an author? I think that's a great question. Um, when I sat down in 2010 and said, eh, I got all this time on my hand. Why don't I give this a try? And I wrote something and it took me nine months of going through the critique group, revising, revising, revising. And at the end of that nine months, I had a fairly decent document. And I just thought, wow, I actually did that. Um, and then I went, and, ooh, I have another idea. And that was book number two. And then, ooh, that gives me another idea. And I had book number three. And it was like, gosh, this is a lot of fun. I think I may actually do this. Um, and so I wrote and I wrote and I wrote because, again, I had to stay home to take care of mom and my sister, Leanne. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to just sit there and watch TV all day long. Um, so I just kept writing. And then we got into a couple of different multi-author series. But then we got into the Silver Pines. And Silver Pines series was what really launched a whole bunch of us into actually making money. I remember you and I talking and we had been making like ten to thirty dollars a month and we were like, Look, I'm a paid author. Praise God. <laughs> yeah. And then we published our silver pines and we went over a thousand dollars in one month. And then we were just flabbergasted. We we're like, Wow, we can actually do this. And you know, Back then, $1,000 a month, I could actually help pay some bills, you know? And then that, I think that was when, I think you and I both had this kind of revelation at that point. Like, you know, this could actually be a career. Now, let's talk about your 100th book here called Allie's Christmas Escape. Go ahead, tell our listeners what it is about. Well, Allie is... Uh, completely controlled by her brother. Ever since their parents died, he has had guardianship over Allie. And he's mad at her for some reason, but we don't know why. We find out later in the book. She doesn't know why. He just, he used to be very loving and caring, and now he's not. So she is literally his prisoner, and he owns a saloon. And so she has a beautiful voice. And so he allows her to be on stage and to sing for the patrons of the salon, saloon, which she's very happy about because then she doesn't have to go in the back and do what the other girls do. So there's that. Um, and then this marshal comes to town. He's looking for a fugitive, a female fugitive. And Allie finds out that he is looking for a fugitive a female fugitive, let me emphasize, because then she thinks, hmm, maybe I can get him to take me with him 
because I'll use protocol as an excuse that he can't be traveling with this female fugitive without a, an escort, and I could go and be his escort. And she figures that's probably her way to escape. And so they they take off, and a whole bunch of stuff happens, and they get separated, and he has to choose between going after saving her or going after his fugitive, who, of course, took advantage of the situation and escaped also. And then we get to the end, and they have a happy ever after. <laughs> I can't tell everything, but we, in, in our industry, we do want a happily ever after, particularly, and that's one of the reasons why I love romance is that I get to explore relationships that work, that no matter what's thrown at them, at the end of the day, they get together. And yeah. for me, dear listener, you've probably heard me talk about this before. Romance is the journey of a couple's pathway to togetherness. And yeah. The course of true love never did run smooth. And so that's what happens in Allie's Christmas Escape, which is available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. So go ahead and pick up your copy of Lynn's 100th book available now. Now, Lynn, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you online? I'm on Facebook. Um, you can get me at Lynn Donovan Author. It's Lynn Donovan, comma, author. Or my, uh, what do you call it, your private profile or whatever. That's where I talk to everybody on. It's M. Lynn Donovan. And then I have um, a website that is lindonovanauthor.com. You can leave me messages there as well. So when I usually ask this question of my guests, it really is to encourage other authors out there whom God has given the gift to write to pick up the pen and do so. And usually it's for those authors who want to write their first book. But you've written your 100th book. And I think our listeners need to know and hear some encouragement for you to continue in this thing called writing. I believe that if you are a writer, whether you're published or not, if you are a writer, that creative hog that's in your brain is going to turn whether you want it to or not. What I have found with actually writing my stories is it's an outlet for my creativity. And I mean, it's better than therapy. So if you have, if you are blessed with that gift of being able to tell a story, I strongly encourage you to do it. Um, getting to a hundred books, really isn't your goal just getting that one book written and then there's another idea let me get that written oh there's another idea let me get that written and if you have ideas while you're writing a story get you a notebook get you a piece of paper get you someplace where you know where this is going write your idea down and come back to that first book and keep writing it's like the little Nemo story, just keep swimming, and you got to just keep writing. Um, connect with other writers. They're all over Facebook. I'm on Facebook. Parker's on Facebook. Connect with us. Those of us who have gone before you love to mentor new writers. Get with them. Get in a good critique group. That is excellent. And then they have an expectation of you um submitting two pages to be critiqued or whatever they come up with that helps you stay you know it's like 
instead of having no one holding you accountable, find someone to hold you accountable. Other authors are excellent sources for that. And like I said, don't set a goal for 100. Set a goal for one and then set a goal for another one. And before you know it, you're there. It's amazing. This came on for me. I literally started looking at it in November. And I went, huh, what do you know? I've got 100 books. Allie's Christmas Escape, part of the multiple author series, The Marshall's Mail Order Brides. You can get that book and all of them in that series by going to Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. And I truly hope you enjoyed our conversation with Lynn today. Lynn, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be here with us. Can't wait to have you back, my darling, and have you back real soon. Thank you. I appreciate it so much, Parker. It's so much fun to be on your show. And I encourage anybody that's in the business to to be on Parker's show because she is such a wonderful host. And we were talking today to Lynn Donovan. She is the author of her 100th book release called Allie's Christmas Escape. You can get it online at Amazon.com. I hope you were encouraged by a lot of the things that Lynn said. She really encouraged you to take yourself seriously when it comes to writing. And you have to not try to go for 100 books, just go for one book. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead, pick up the pen, and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen, Parker J., and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day. <laughs>